Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. You're going to need your Bible today. I've got slides up here, but I encourage you to grab a pew Bible if you don't bring yours, and then next week, bring your own Bible. Let's just make that a habit, a practice at All Saints. We bring our, bring our own word. Glad you're here. Let me just see who received a, a word that was encouraging today. You mind waving at me? Look around. That's quite a few people right? It's why we do it. We believe first and foremost that the Lord speaks through his written word, doesn't he? But then he also speaks through us, his church. That's why we practice that. So glory to God, we finished our series on Acts before Christ returned. And now we're shifting to a shorter series on giving and generosity and stewardship. And today what I want to do is root our discussion, our reflection on giving in the generosity of God. And I'm inviting you, listen up. When when I would hear the word giving in previous years, I would think, is it lunchtime yet? Can we leave? Is it one of those Sundays? I want us to approach this with new eyes and a new heart, okay? The church is in a great place financially. So I'm not up here pleading with you to write checks or give money. I'm not at all. We're in a great place. What I am doing is inviting you into an opportunity to be a part of what God's doing in this church, in this region, across the nations, right? So do you hear me on that? And so I want us to think about this in some fresh ways. And so I'm going to root our discussion in the generosity of God, because that's what we were singing about this morning, wasn't it? That God is generous and we have much to be thankful for. So I'm going to lay this out, and then Colt and Jay are going to talk the second and third time and flesh this out a little bit so you get to hear from other people. So today, I'm going to give a few introductory thoughts, then we're going to look at God's supreme generosity. He is the most generous one, and we learn from him. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the call to participate with, to join in God's generosity. So Lord, we, we do, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and for you to give us fresh perspective and insight in your generosity and what you're doing and your invitation to us to participate with what you're doing. And we trade old ideas for your new ideas rooted in the scriptures today. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus who gave everything. Amen. So I do want to say up front that when we're looking at generosity and giving and these things, we have to overcome some distorted images, don't we? But they're also, they can be straw men. They can be artificial barriers. But I want to name them right? And the first one, because this is not what we're looking at. It's not what I'm going to talk about, Jay or Colt in the coming weeks, the prosperity gospel. 
So do you hear me on that? If you have a little bit of discernment, you realize that the prosperity gospel teaching that you are guaranteed, if I give this dollar, then God is required to give me back, whatever it is, that is unbiblical. All right, so that is not what we're talking about over the next three weeks. We clear on that? A second thing, we are not, and I already referenced this, we are not looking at an overemphasis or a manipulation on giving. Right? We're just not going to move into that where we become the church that is manipulating and twisting arms. We clear on that. But I do want to be vulnerable with you. This is an area where I have got some maturing to do myself as a leader. Because of the distortions, I've backed off a little bit. And so this morning, I want to invite us into a healthy space. We're a generous church. Wouldn't you agree? For a church our size, we're doing quite a bit. And we give at least 10% away to missions and church planting. But friends, you'll hear as I flesh this out, I think that's the beginning. And so I want to cast some vision. That's a wonderful thing to do. But what if the Lord wants to give us millions of dollars in the coming years and he knows that we'll give it all away? What do you think about that? So I'm not up here saying, hey, let's just continue to get by with 10%. I am on my knees, so is Wallace, so is others, saying, Lord, would you give us kingdom resources that are staggering? And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna give it all away. We're gonna use it wisely, and you're gonna give us the fear of the Lord, and we are going to be channels through which your money can pour into your kingdom purposes. How do you, what do you think about that? Does that sound good? So that's what I'm inviting us into is joining God in his mission of generosity and salvation across the planet. Now, I will say this up front too. If you'll let me say some challenging things, because that's the point of this, right? If we're just getting up and tickling ears or patting on the back, we're not doing our job. So I want to challenge us today. John Wimber used to talk about being a part of a church means that you give away your time, your talents, and your treasure. And so I am grateful that you, many of you, give all three of those things away to the Lord and you invest them wisely. Time, talents, your gifts, and your treasure. But I'm focusing on the treasure part. And I want to even address the idea that, well, I tithe with my time. And I want to say, lose that idea. I, I don't find it in scripture. Yes, you do tithe with your time and your talents, but we're looking today at money, kingdom resources, amen? So let's look at the first thing. What I wanna do is root this whole meditation, really. We're gonna to meditate together on the scriptures, and we're gonna start with the fact that God is supremely generous and who he is and what he does, right? So our whole discussion is looking upward in worship and saying, God, you are the most benevolent, kind, gracious, giving being, and all of this flows from who you are. Amen? So let's look at Genesis 1. The beginning of the story, we're going to see that God is generous, that all of the good things flow from him, including creation. So we're going to look briefly, and then we're going to shift gears and look at our participation, but we're looking at God being generous in creation and in redemption. 
So Genesis 1, a well-known passage here, 26 to 31, but I want you to view it through the lens of God's generosity. And behind this, see a creator who is filled with joy and delight and giving through creation. And I'm looking to see here if I've got, yes, I do. Genesis 1, 26 through 31, all right? Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Look at this, verse 31. The generous God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. So I just wanna point out a couple of things here. Human beings are God's crown jewel of creation. He creates all of these things, light, atmosphere, oceans, land, vegetation, the sun, moon, and stars. But then at the end, before he rests, he creates man and woman. And because he's generous, he says, I'm creating you in my image and I'm creating you to bear my image for you to be like me and to grow in my likeness. And it's glorious. It's men and women together in submission to God, exercising kingdom dominion over the whole community of creation. It's pretty staggering, isn't it? This is glorious, it's beautiful. And he gives to man and woman and to all the animals, you see it right there, the breath of life. So he breathes into them and then he gives them food to sustain them. This is a picture of an incredibly generous God, isn't it? Now let me say, sometimes we think that God needs us. That is an unbiblical idea. This is an image, and Genesis makes it very clear, God does not need anything from us. And really, what could we bring to God beside our sin and our need for him? That's pretty relieving, isn't it? I, the truth is I don't wanna worship and minister to God and give him things that I've got. That's pretty ridiculous. So the scriptures teach us that God is overflowing with all that he needs. And so out of that overflow of his love and who he is and his bounty, he gives us existence and he sets the whole thing up that way, amen? Sometimes I hear on occasion, yeah, we minister to God or give God something he needs or we make him whole out of, he needed it, not true, 
at all. This overflowing from an infinitely satisfied God, sovereign. Look at Ephesians 1, 3 to 10. Again, I'm trying to just point out particular texts that show how incredibly generous our God is. Look at Ephesians 1. I'm going to read 3 to 10. So God is supremely generous in creation. And secondly, he's generous in the giving of his son. Ephesians 1, 3 to 10. Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time Wait, did I skip something there? No, I got it. As a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So friends, we, there's a handful of things here. God is generous in the giving of his son. Look at what the text says at verse three. What do you see? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He is lavish. He's extravagant in the giving of his son and the giving of all spiritual blessings. How about verse four? What do you see there? He's chosen us. A second thing, his great generosity in the giving of his son. We are chosen in Christ. Verse five, what's a third thing? He's destined us for adoption, to be his kids eternally. And Paul will go on and chapters two and three to talk about, you know what? We were children of wrath. We were born into sin and were separated from God and because of God's kindness and his love in Jesus, we go from being children of wrath, faith in him, believing in him, being born again, and now we get to be his children, his adopted children. How about verse seven? What do you see there? We're singing about this this morning. We're redeemed through the blood of Christ. We're forgiven. And then lastly, this is staggering, and this is part of what we're talking about. Verses 9 and 10, look at it, church. What's it say? He brings us in to know the mystery of his plan. You kidding me? So this morning, God is showing us part of his plan to be generous and to overflow with goodness and kindness, and we get to participate in that. It's incredible. Look at Romans 8.32. This sums it up, what Paul is saying in Ephesians, but God is generous in creation. He's generous in the giving of his son. And look at what Romans 8.32 says. And I want you to listen and grab hold of these things with faith. 
So what I've been doing this week is I've meditated on this and I've said, Lord, would you speak to us and draw us in to your generous mission on the earth? Romans 8.32, he, that is God, who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Is that what your Bible says there? Does your Bible say everything else or a little bit? Mine says everything else. So the Lord gave his son and everything else after that is easy for God. So when he invites us onto his generous mission, he's showing us. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Again, I warned you up front, we're gonna be thumbing through various verses, but we're just kind of laying out a little theology here, a little reflection on the generosity of God. And the word generous pops up over and over again, doesn't it? As it does here in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Paul says this, for you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So the father is generous in giving the son, and the son is generous in giving up all that is rightfully his as the second person of the Holy Trinity and becoming poor through the incarnation through his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection. And that's to make us rich, to make us spiritually wealthy so that we can participate with him. A second thing here, God's generous in giving his son. He's generous in giving the spirit. Look at Luke 11. Again, we're working through these quickly here. Let's look at Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. I don't know what it is, but living in the world, we, th- we tend to be a little stingy and we think that God is stingy and tight-fisted and we're seeing the scriptures reorient our thinking, aren't we? God is lavish. God is overflowing with kindness and goodness and resources and so we have to trade whatever that ridiculous vision or image of God is and get the biblical vision. Are you seeing it a little bit? Look at Luke 11. Jesus is speaking here and he's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So friends, the Father is generous in the giving of the Holy Spirit. Not stingy, not tight-fisted, but lavishing the Spirit of God. Look at Romans 5, 5, and then we're gonna shift gears after this. Romans 5, 5. It's one of my favorite in the whole book of Romans. Romans 5, 5. And again, I invite you to bring your Bible so you can get familiar, especially the, the young ones. I want you to start bringing your Bibles too. If you don't have a Bible, ask mom or dad or someone, hey, can you get me a Bible? And if they come up short, you talk to me. I'll get you a Bible, all right? Because I want you to get familiar where this stuff is and I think we've become a little overly dependent on slides. So I've been flirting with the idea of maybe not having slides a little bit. That be all right with you? 
So I want the young people, I want new believers to get familiar with the scriptures and where these things are. Romans 5.5. 5. Paul says, hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. So we have hope because God lavishly pours out his spirit into our hearts. Okay, so are we, are we clearer on the generosity of God in creation and in redemption? The giving of his son, the giving of the spirit, that's kind of the groundwork. Now I wanna shift gears here and I wanna talk about what God calls us to. He calls us, his people, to join him in generosity. You ready for that? And I wanna look at some practical things and the first is that, it's the practice of the biblical basics. Now Colt and Jay are gonna talk about this more and drill down into it, but I'm just gonna mention it because I think it's helpful to hear a little bit where in the, where in the world did tithing and giving come from? So I want us to look at some of these things. In the Old Testament, and again, you can write these things down, I don't have them on the slide, but the notion of tithing, which means giving 10%, is first mentioned in Genesis 14, 20. Abram, who becomes Abraham later, gives 10% to a priest. And then the Old Testament goes on to explain that there are three tithes that are required by the Torah, by the law, by the instruction of God, which for the ancient Jewish people totaled about 23% annually. Stay with me here, because you're gonna love it as new covenant people. We're not bound to this at all, but this helps us understand where tithing and generosity came from. First of all, the ancient Jewish people would give to support the Levitical priests and the temple so that things could operate and they could come together as a community and worship. That's one tithe, and that's spoken about especially in Leviticus 27.30. You can write that down. A second tithe, also of 10%, was for special celebration services and festivals that happened at the temple, and that's mentioned in Deuteronomy 14. And then a third, a last tithe here, happened every three years. The Jewish people would tithe 10% and collect it for immigrants, for widows, and for orphans. And that's mentioned in Deuteronomy 26. So you see that? It's kind of a, in a nutshell, the theology of tithing that we have in the Old Testament. Now, as New Testament believers, are we bound to do those same things? You tell me. We're not. Paul makes it clear, especially in the book of Colossians, that we, Christ came to fulfill the law, and so we're not bound to keep these things, but the New Testament actually invites us into a greater place of giving. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. He says, I want Christians to give in keeping with their income. And so some of us continue to utilize the 10% tithe that I just mentioned as kind of a, a guideline, right? But friends, the New Testament invites us into a place that's even more than that because the outpouring of the Spirit, the giving of His Son changes everything. And so that's what I wanna invite us into this morning is the idea of, Colt's gonna talk about this, but he, he calls tithing the training wheels. And so there is 
a 10% that we give joyfully and willingly, but then God draws us into much more. And I wanna invite us into that individually, but then also as a church, something called generous giving and joyful giving. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. And I'm gonna read this from the New American Standard Bible. It's what I grew up with and I memorized it in this and I like it a little bit better than the NRSV or the NIV. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. How are we doing? Doing okay? Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. The writer says this, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now this is in the Old Testament, but the principle is there. If church, we will honor the Lord with what he gives us, then he will cause life to overflow in ways that we can give more away. Not hold on to it, not buy nicer cars, not buy bigger stuff and fill the church, but to give it away to be conduits and not cul-de-sacs. So here's what I want us to end with. I'm gonna take the rest of the time we've got here and I wanna invite us into being an even more generous, cheerful, sacrificial giving church. Look at Luke 6.38. Jesus, the master teacher, is teaching on giving and generosity, which he's living out in his life and ministry. This is a well-known text here that's often misused, but we're gonna rightly understand it today. Luke 6.38, Jesus says this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The measure you give will be the measure you get back. So it's a picture, Jesus oftentimes pulling from agriculture and different things, but he's getting people to think about a measuring jar. And he's saying that measuring jar, for those who give, the Lord will push the seed down and pour more into it and he'll cause it to overflow and then he'll dump it on your lap if you're generous. That's how the Father is gonna be. So that is what we want to lean into is being generous. Now, again, because this isn't prosperity teaching, I am not saying that every time you give, God owes you a dollar. Sometimes God tests us and allows us to sacrifice Other times God's economy is greatly different. Might be that you're given 20 bucks and he blesses you with even more. So again, we're not tying God into a prosperity gospel teaching, but we're seeing there is something from Christ himself. As you give, it will be measured back to you so that you can give more. I wanted to share a story. Amanda and I were talking about this yesterday. There's a wonderful story and it's filled with teaching on generosity. Some of you are familiar with George Mueller. Anybody heard of the British guys from Bristol, England and a famous man who started orphanages and 
it was awesome. I, I went to Bristol one time and I got to go to his house and actually hold his Bible and see the notes. And man, that dude spent a lot of time pouring over the scriptures and praying and lived a life of faith. But I wanted to read a little story that contains in it several facets of generosity. Listen to this. Mueller's recording this and he says, at his orphanage, there's 300 kids that he's caring for there in Bristol, England. And he says, the children are dressed and ready for school, but there is no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed Mr. Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food that wasn't there and waited. George knew that God would provide food for the children as he always did. And within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I couldn't sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you and I will bring it all in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. He started his journey that day, his cart broke down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time he got his wheel fixed, so he asked George if he could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk, and it was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. So friends, George Mueller was a great man of faith, but what we're lo looking at is on the other side, the baker and the milkman. They heard from God. The baker couldn't sleep. He was restless and he got up and made, I mean, really he carved out a whole day and a day's worth of income and gave it away to the orphans. And so as a church, I wanna invite us to be pondering, to be praying, to maybe even lose some sleep. Lord, how could we give generously, individually and as a church? to take care of other people. This is filled with beauty, isn't it? Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12. We're gonna end with this. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12. I'm just gonna read verses six through eight. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And again, I'm just starting the conversation. Colt and Jay are going to develop it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. The point is this, the Apostle Paul says, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as you have made up in your mind not reluctantly or under compulsion. And this right here, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. That is what I'm inviting us into. Why don't we stand, church? I just wanna share a couple of things as we're Moving into ministry team here, ministry time. Our generosity flows from God's generosity. You saw it, right? As I was looking at these passages this week, I remembered a friend 
who I've known for some time, and the brother was a tightwad. I mean, this guy counted every penny and nickel and dime and cut coupons. He was over the top. It was pretty exhausting. We would talk about, where are we going to go? And he'd be like, well, they've got a special over here. And, I'm, and he actually had some money. I've watched this guy over the years go from tightwad to extravagant giver. And somewhere along the way, it got in his spiritual bloodstream. He's like, the more... I give the more the Lord will entrust to me. And he is one of the most radical givers I know. And he therefore gets to participate in what God's doing. He has stories all the time, locally of giving to people, nationally. He's involved in ministries all over the planet because he took some steps. So I wanna invite you, even during the week, I'm gonna be practicing this too. I'm gonna invite you to pray about being more generous, Ask the Lord where to give, how to give, help me give in new ways. But I also want you outside the church to consider giving money away to people. One of the ways that we keep from loving money and letting it hold us is we give it away. The ancient church called it almsgiving. So if you had love of money or you were clinging to stuff, then a way to address it was to give things away. My son is actually getting a vision for this and he's finding great joy. He comes and reports to me, hey, I had an opportunity to give 10 bucks to someone, 20 bucks. So this is very attainable for everyone. And for those of you that are strapped and money is not flowing, I wanna invite you to give the widow's mite. Even while you're out, if someone gives you good service, give them a tip. Maybe even go above and beyond, amen? So here's what I wanna end with. I want us to be, to resolve together to be an incredibly generous church, to invest even more in the things that I've spelled out up here. Look, missions, ministry to the poor, church planting, training of emerging leaders, and the development of worship music. The Lord has plans for us at All Saints. That's the bottom line. And are we going to participate in it, right? Whether that means giving five bucks regularly or giving a tip to someone, I wanna invite us as a church to share in God's generosity, amen? So Lord, we pray for that. I pray that your word would take root in us and that we would even begin in a new way today, myself included, to walk in and live by your generosity. I pray that in the coming days and years, this would be a church that gives away so much that it's staggering that that church in Oklahoma City could give and give and give. And Lord, would you make us trustworthy? Give us integrity in this respect. And we rely on you. We say not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. Lord, we love you. Amen. I'm going to invite the ministry team to come up if you'll come up.